Amen. Hey, good morning, everybody. Oh, good morning. Good stuff. Uh, if it's your first time here, we are so glad that you're here. If you're joining us online, thank you for joining us online. And uh, welcome to Labor Day weekend. Yeah, it's kind of that last chance for people to get out, and so we kind of expect that. So that's why we changed things up a little bit this morning, made that a family Sunday. And so, again, if your kids are in here and they make noise, I learned very early, like, if you can't preach through that, you're in the wrong job. So... That's going to be okay. It's still going to be fun this morning. Um, last week, we started a new series that we kind of are probably going to do every time this year um, because we kind of understand we get into the, the fall semester and we've got students that are coming in. We've got new people coming to check things out. We've got people that have been here for a while. And so we're doing a series called We Are South Point. Um, we just said, hey, we think it's really important from a church standpoint that you know what the church is that you're going to. Um, if you're new, kind of figuring out, okay, what does this place look like? What do they believe? What's important to them? If you've been coming here for a while, we think it's really important to circle back and say, hey, these are the things as a church that are driving us. These are the things that we believe. These are our values. These are the things that we looked at last week of what we believe because we said, hey, if we can get behind this vision that God has given us, well, then we're going to see some things. We're going to see some things individually. We're going to grow as individuals. Uh, we're going to see some things from a corporate standpoint. We're going to grow as a church. And so last week we looked at what we believe, uh, and we're going to continue over the next several weeks looking at some things that as a church we say, culturally, this is who we are. This is what's important to us. And today we're going to look at what we call we serve. Because at South Point Church, we think serving is extremely important. Um, over the years, I have done just about everything in the church world. Um, I was blessed. I grew up in church, got to serve in lots of different areas. I've worked in a number of different churches, gone on mission trips. I've served in a ton of areas. I've served in areas where I go, yay, I'm excited about that because it's an area where I feel comfortable and I feel like God's gifted me. Uh, anytime we've been on trips and they're like, hey, we need someone to teach, I'm like, oh, I'll do that um, because I don't mind that. Um, I don't mind teaching. It's something I enjoy and I love, and I love being able to serve in that area. And then there have been some times where I've had to take a step out of the comfort zone a little bit um, and go, okay, I know that God's calling me to serve here, and that's why I've done VBS like dozens and dozens of times. Um, and I've told people before, that many small children around me without my last name, it makes me nervous. Um, but over the years of doing student ministry, we did rec. And so I, I enjoy doing rec. And so I got to serve in that area only a couple trips to the ER. And so I call it a win. And then there's times where you serve and you step way outside of your comfort zone. Several years ago, um, went on a mission trip to New York City. Took about 150 kids, um, flew up there, and we broke them into different teams. We were working with a ministry in that area. Um, and I was excited because I'm like, man, there's so many different things to do here. And so we got there, and we're looking at this big board they had charted it out. And it had all the different teams and the team leaders. And I find, okay, there's my team. And I start looking. I'm like, okay, outreach ministry, homeless ministry, yes, da-da-da. And I get to Thursday. And I was like, who's in charge here? Come, come talk to me. Um, because on Thursday, it said my group was going to do a clown ministry. Now, I'm not afraid of getting in front of people. I know that's like the greatest fear in all of America. It does not scare me at all. Um, used to scare me years ago. God blessed me with a thing called adult ADD, um, and that went right out the window. And so I don't mind getting in front of people. I've been in front of small crowds, been in front of big crowds, but clowns. Like, I'm not scared of clowns, but clowns. Come on. Like, I made a joke about them one time at a church, and a lady came up afterwards, and if there's anyone in the crowd or anyone watching online, please be as gracious as she was. Um, she said, uh, I, I, I run a, a clown organization. And I was like, I apologize. Um, 
Because we were going to dress up as clowns. We were going to go to Times Square, like the busiest place in humanity, and tell people about Jesus. I love telling people about Jesus, but I wasn't really feeling the whole tell people about Jesus while dressed as a clown. And so I didn't have the best attitude at the beginning of the week, and God really began to work on me and began to refer me back to Scripture where I said, uh, remember where I said uh, preach the gospel? Yeah. You notice I didn't say anything about but not as a clown? Yeah. You said in season and out of season? Yeah. This seems out of season. Yeah, I said that. Okay. Um, and I kind of had to work myself up. By Thursday, I was kind of excited about it. So we sit down. I got a group of it's me and two other leaders, and there's about 10 kids in our group. And uh, first we get dressed up like clowns, which it was the first summer I'd ever shaved my head. And my buddy's like, he doesn't need a wig. His head is a canvas. And so I've got like polka dots all over mine. We get on a subway. 13 clowns getting on a New York subway is the start of a joke. I mean, people are just like, they'd start to walk in the subway room and like, no, just kind of fade back out. And we get to Times Square, and what I thought was going to be the weirdest thing ever, weirdest area I'd ever served, turned into one of my favorite days of serving I've ever had in my entire life. Because we would begin to do games and stuff with kids, and obviously their parents would have to hang out, and so some of us would begin to engage the parents. I got to watch one of my students lead someone to Christ in the middle of Times Square. I got to sit down, well, one, I got to move Spider-Man out of his spot. He was really gracious. He was a believer. Um, and we kind of took over his bit and got to talk to a girl who was a self-professing witch. Why are you doing this? Well, because I believe in a God that loves me enough that I would dress up like a clown in order to engage people. It was one of the greatest days of serving I've ever had. I don't know if I've ever enjoyed serving as much as I did as a clown in New York City at Times Square. And when we serve, there are times where we serve in areas where we feel very equipped and comfortable. And we sometimes serve in areas where God goes, I'm going to call you out of your comfort zone just to show you how important and what an impact this can make. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Now, when it comes to serving, we're going to try and look this morning of why do we do this? Like, why is this such a big thing in the church? Because even before the church, there was serving, but it looked a little different. Like in the Old Testament, priests would serve because it was kind of that was their obligation. That was their calling. But then in the New Testament, there's kind of this shift in the heart of serving. And so we'll say this, before the church existed, the example was given. It was Jesus. Before the church even existed, the example of serving, the importance of serving was there. And the example was Jesus. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, it says this. This is Jesus talking. It says, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve. Real serving is done for the benefit of those being served, not just simply for the minister himself, or themselves, or herself. Jesus says, hey, I am the Son of God, but I didn't come to be served. I came to serve others. I understood that there were people that were hurting. I understood that there were people in need. And I came not so that people could lavish things on me, so that I could pour out serving upon other people, knowing it will make an impact. And man, that is a dramatic change in rulership, right? Because here he is, you know, son of man. I'm the, I'm, I'm the king of kings, the lord of lords, the Messiah. Insert whatever you want for him there, whatever name. And you talk about a change in ruling authority. Because I look back throughout all of history, 
And I just don't see a lot of examples of kings, emperors, pharaohs, insert title of majesty, going, I came not to be served, but to serve. Because there's a lot of examples to the contrary. Here Jesus is the creator of the world, the king of kings. Why shouldn't we serve him? We do serve him. We know that we do. And yet he sets the example and says, hey, it's not about me. It's about others. It is all about him at the same time. But he says, hey, we are to reach out to others. And that's such a drastic change in high up leadership. Because you look throughout history and you got example of example of people going, I came not to be served or to, uh, to serve, but to be served. Rulers throughout all of history. There's a Roman emperor who had a 200 acre palace that was made of gold, essentially. You skip forward a little bit and it was filled with servants. And I mean, you didn't even have to chew your food if you didn't want to. Yeah, yuck indeed. You skip forward a little bit. If you've ever seen pictures of the Palace of Versailles, kings of France weren't really all about serving others. It was, we have people to dress me, clothe me, feed me, bring me my food, take care of everything. And if we think that stopped today, it definitely hasn't. Um, if you're a reader, I'd recommend a really fun book for you. It's called The Residence. Um, and this isn't a political statement, but it doesn't matter who is the sitting president of the United States of America. They have people to take care of them, right? They've got people that are there for bodyguards. They've got people that are there from a staff standpoint. And they've got people to get, take care of every need they could ever want. And this book, The Residence, is about people who work at the White House, not as part of the presidential party, but they work for the White House. They're the people who drive the cars. They're the people who make the food, serve the food, clean the place. And it's a pretty big job. Once you get it, you don't leave it. So they got stories from a guy who was a butler from someone from Eisenhower to George W. Bush. And I'll tell you this, it's a fascinating read um, to hear the arguments that the president and their spouse gets into um, and then other people get to tell stories about it. But you know what? The president of the United States wants some cookies at 2 o'clock in the morning. Someone's going to make him some cookies at 2 o'clock in the morning. Like for the most part, people in high leadership are served. They don't serve. And yet Jesus dramatically changes that. But it's one thing to say it. I, I came not to be served, but to serve. Because anyone can write that on a card, right? It's something else to put action to it. That's why in John chapter 13, we get to see service in action from our Savior. In verse 12, John writes this. He says, he's talking about the washing of the disciples' feet. He said, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and I love he says this, and you are right, for I am so. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should try, uh, you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things... I'm sorry, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It's this beautiful moment of what it looks like to serve. You've got the creator of the universe. The one who made the water that's going to fill this bowl. The one who made the fabric that was interwoven to make this towel. The one who knew the disciples before they were ever created. And he does this unbelievable act of servanthood. To wash someone's feet, even today, would be a pretty grungy thing. In biblical times, it was even worse because you wore sandals everywhere. There was dust everywhere. Your feet would get calloused and dirty. 
And it was a servant's job. If I walk in, I would take my sandals off, or they may take them off, and they would wash my feet. And yet here's the creator, here's their leader and teacher. Gets down, he begins to wash their feet. And, of course, Peter objects and has to be taught an extra lesson. But when he gets done, he's dried all their feet, and he puts the towel back on. And we get a lesson. One, we get a lesson in humility. You are never so great that you don't serve. You never rise to a position where you go, as a believer in Christ, as one changed by the gospel, I am no longer required to serve. So great am I that I do not serve. You get the the picture of humility because here's the one who created all of us and would then lay his life down for these disciples in a very short amount of time. And he's on his knees washing their feet. It's this beautiful picture of humility. You also see sacrificial love to one another. Um, instead of seeing their faults, Christ saw an image bearer. We need that reminder today. Instead of seeing the faults of people, instead of seeing the dirty feet, we see an image that Genesis 1.27 would say that we were made in the image of God. Genesis 1.27 says, let us, I love it, it says us, it's God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, triune God, let us make them in our image. We are image bearers. Whether that person has known Jesus for a really long time or that person's as far away as we think, they're an image bearer. And Jesus looked at the disciples and said, I see my image in you, and I'm going to sacrificially love you. And then we see his attitude. Christ's attitude as he did this, as he served, it wasn't an attitude of resentment. My gosh, your feet are dirty. How'd you get so dirty? Like I do with my kids sometimes. That's a good lesson for me. Um, it wasn't resentment. It wasn't the sense of obligation. I'm going to have to set the example one day. I guess I'll wash your feet. Um, He didn't go into it with that. His attitude was this attitude of love where it took him back. Like Peter's like, what are you doing? Like that's what people not you, Jesus, do. And he had to get taught a little different lesson, but it was just this picture of humility, sacrificial love, and attitude. The Savior of the world wiping their feet down, washing off the dirt, And then I love that he teaches us and he says, I have given you an example. He says, if you know these things, and today, 2,000 years later, if we're in Christ, we know we are called to serve. Like, I don't think anyone would really stand up and make a strong argument of no, um, because Jesus is doing it. And I love that he says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. He's showing us there's a difference here. The knowing side, lots of people know, lots of people know. The doing side looks very different. Do we love people enough that we would follow in his example? Because Jesus calls us to do the same, not just physically. There's large groups out there that do this big foot washing ceremony every year. I'm not opposed to that. I've done foot washing ceremonies, but he's not saying I'm only talking about the physical washing of feet. He's talking about it spiritually too. We need to accept that people have dirty feet because everyone did at one point or another. People have dirty feet. It's not for us to look at it and go, how'd you get your feet so dirty? It's for us to look at it and say, you know what? I'm going to be okay with washing your feet with word and action. Instead of seeking condemnation, we seek restoration because that's what Jesus did for us. That's the example that he set for us. And I would say this, 
We are called to wash people's feet, yeah, maybe physically, but definitely spiritually. We need to make sure that the water's the right temperature. As I was studying this week, I was reminded of the very deep, heavy theological story of a young girl with golden hair and three bears. And yes, I'm referring to Goldilocks and the three bears. That wonderful story as a kid where you learned there's too hot, there's too cold, and there's just right. And that breaking an entry is not okay. Like that goes without saying in that story. That's what, that's what I, <laughs> I teach my kids from that. But the water needs to be the right temperature. Sometimes the water's too hot. Some people kind of grew up knowing what the water's too hot looks like. And the hellfire and brimstone, you pant right now, you're going to hell. It's like, oh, hell, tell me more about that. Um, one of my favorite theologians and pastors who I've thought about a lot this week, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, it's easier to catch flies with honey than vinegar. And sometimes that water, like we turn it up and we lose the grace element. And then there's times, as I would say, we've kind of leaned more this way today. The water's too cold. Oh, just come to church, feel better. God loves you just the way you are. Jesus loves you and wants to see you changed. Like this is not about self-help, make yourself feel better. Like we've made the water a little cold at times and we need to find the sweet spot. We talk about, yes, you know what? We serve a just God and sin rails against his holiness and justice. We serve a gracious God that in his love and mercy sent his son Jesus Christ to make a way for us. We need to be washing people's feet spiritually. And I would say we need to make sure the water's the right temperature as well. And Jesus sets the example. And so the example, even before the church was set, but then as the church began, as Jesus ascended into heaven, and now you've got the early church, when the church began, it served. And in the New Testament, you've got example after, after example of what that looks like. Sometimes it's just as good as it gets. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 32, you get one of the most beautiful pictures in Scripture. It says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that, uh, and, and, uh, no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection uh, to the Lord, of the Lord Jesus, and, a great, and great grace was upon all of them. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. And so this is this beautiful picture in Scripture. Sometimes your Bible will call it everything in common. They'll call it fellowship of the believer. Like this is a beautiful spot in the New Testament. The early church has just begun, and they did. They had everything in common. Like the apostles would teach on a daily basis. They had like a rotation schedule where they were daily teaching about Jesus, and people were coming and listening to that and going, I needed that message. And then they were fellowshipping together, and they were having meals together. And sometimes that meal, they'd go, hey, let's go out to eat somewhere. And someone would say, I don't really have enough money for that. And they would say, yeah, you do, because I'm going to take care of you. And they get done with the meal and say, hey, so-and-so's mom wasn't here. What was going on? Well, she wasn't feeling really well. So, hey, let's go and let's pray for her. Like, it's this beautiful picture of unity in the early church. And what was one of the hallmarks? They served together. Some of them helped prepare a meal. Some of them said, hey, this person's not being taken care of financially. I've got extra. I'm going to make sure that happens. And so even when things were perfect, like the church was serving. And the beautiful spot in this is it says, all who believed are in one heart and one soul. And no one said anything that belonged to them was their own. Not my time. My time belongs to the gospel. And so if that means I need to go out and serve somewhere, I'm going to do that. 
My blessings don't belong to me. They belong to the gospel. And so if there's someone in need, like you just see these people loving Jesus deeply and at the core of it, it's the love of the gospel and a people that serve well. And we can go, well, yeah, when everything's going well, it's easy to serve. What if a problem arises? Well, luckily, you only have to turn like one page. In Acts chapter 6, we get to see the early church, and there's an issue. In chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, Now in those days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Jews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, pick brothers, or therefore brothers, uh, pick out from amongst yourselves seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Uh, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicar, and Timon, and Perminus, and Nicholas, uh, proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied gr greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So now you have a problem. Makes me happy. 2,000 years ago, the church has just started. A complaint arose. Um, and so it's not just in modern times. Like this has been going on for a long time. Church is humming along. They've got unity. But then there's a group of what they call the, the Hellenist Jews. These were Greek-speaking Jews. They said, hey, we know that there's kind of a daily distribution for widows, and we see it happening over here, but our widows aren't really being taken care of. And they brought this to the apostles. And the apostles looked and said, what we're doing right now is important. We know that God has called us to teach and proclaim the gospel, to make sure that people know the full gospel. Uh, when they say it's not for us to serve tables, that wasn't a, that's beneath us. They just said, hey, we know we need to be focused on what God has called us to do. So what should we do? Let's, let's call together a group of people that can, we can raise up to be leaders and serve in this area. And it will be taken care of. And the crazy thing happened. Everyone was in agreement. <laughs> they didn't have a greater church of Jerusalem or second church of Jerusalem. They said, that sounds good. And so they prayed about it. And God kind of laid on their hearts of, hey, there's this guy named Stephen. We're going to put him in the lead. We're going to make him the champion of this area. And God raised up six other people. And they said, hey, we're going to take over this duty. This is going to be the area where we serve. We're going to make sure that all of these widows are taken care of, that none of them are neglected, that no one falls through the cracks or anything like that. And this beautiful thing happens when they served. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. There's tons of different conferences you can go to on church growth, and there's lots of good things to be gleaned from them. But I'll tell you the truth. The answer was written a long time ago. Serve. Teach the gospel and serve. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Um, it's pretty out there. And, and, I mean, it's just right there. This, this is what grows people. The church had an issue, and instead of letting it divide them and frustrate them, they came together and they first prayed. They stayed focused on the gospel. And they said it would be good that God would raise up people so that our apostles could serve in this area and people could serve in this area and be gifted in this area. Obviously had hospitality and things like that in mind. And this beautiful thing happens. The church continues to grow. The problem was taken care of and the church increases. This is what happens when we serve. So much so that it says, hey, some of these priests finally realized and went, y'all are right. 
That Jesus that we crucified, that was the Messiah in the Old Testament. That was the promised one. And they began to convert to Christianity. This is what happens when people serve. Lives are changed. Jesus set the example. The early church got it. And throughout history of the church, it's understood we have been called to serve. All the way up to 2021. Now, I think if the apostles looked in the year AD 50, um, at the eight year AD 2021, they'd be blown away by the areas that we can serve. But man, we got some new ones in time. And serving's important at South Point Church. And I'll say this. I grew up in church, and some of you may know what it looks like. We had like the 1090 rule. 10% of the people did 90% of the work. It is not like that at South Point. I'm unbelievably thankful. The number of people that serve here is astronomically high in the church world. Just almost everybody. But we're going to talk about some areas this morning where, hey, if you're not serving somewhere, this, this is a part of who we are. We say, hey, get in the game, put whatever, whatever phrase you want. Ministry is important to us and serving is important to us. And we serve that out in a couple of ways. One, through ministries of our church. And so in your bulletin this morning, you see this little card. Um, yours isn't color-coded, mine is, because that's how I roll. Um, but we have ministries that we have opportunities to serve in. If you look down that list, the first one that's on there in a ministry role is our life group leader and life group host, life group facilitator. Um, that's a ministry of our church. We're going to be talking about it in a couple of weeks. Life groups, getting connected and things like that. Community, that's important to us. And so life group leaders facilitate a life group or host it in the home because we say as we grow larger, we've got to grow smaller. Uh, we want people to get pro- plugged into life groups, but in order to get plugged into life groups, we have to have leaders. And so that becomes a huge ministry that people can serve in. You skip down a little bit, you get to our worship areas, our worship team. Uh, from a musician standpoint, I'm thankful for people that God blessed with that ability because I didn't get it. I preach, I pray. That's all. <laughs> um, I don't get a tambourine. Uh, I was told by Josh I couldn't have that. Um, but if you're blessed in that area, you play a musical instrument. We'd love for you to serve in this area. And we'd love for you to, the biggest and most helpful thing, Church Center app. From here on out as I talk, put the Church Center app on your phone. Click that you want to serve, and that will let us know where you want to serve. And that that really helps us out from a time standpoint. Uh, If you don't have that, get it, or you put it on a Connect card. But really, the best thing would be through the Church Center app. But in some way, if you are blessed with the ability to play a musical instrument, or you've got some tech savvy. Even if you don't, we train all of these. The musician side, that one's a little different. But um, I'm not going to give you music lessons completely. But the tech team, some people go, man, I just don't know what to do there. Sometimes it's this. You're pushing a button. Um, I promise you we can, we can teach you how to do that. But our tech team, like if they're not back there, you're not going to see words on the screen. You're not going to see scripture up there. Um, slides, announcements, all that kind of stuff. Our, our tech team makes that happen. Our musicians make that worship happen. And we have an online team. Right now, we're streaming online to the world. Um, at times, it's terrifying for me because I'm like, man, I don't know what I might say. Um, but we have a team that's running that and making it possible um, because it takes people to run the slides on that. And if you've never watched online, we try and make it um, as much of a worship experience as if someone was sitting in here. And so they can see the band playing at the same time they can see the lyrics on a screen. Um, if you want to get involved in that, if you like to kind of be behind the scenes, by all means, put on a Connect card, put on Worship Center. That you want to help in those. Those are big ministries. The bottom two are, are really big. 12-2 min, uh, ministries, that's our student ministry. They meet on Wednesday nights. They meet on Sunday mornings for equipping class. If you've got a heart for working with students, that's where my heart was for a long time. Man, some people are like, 
small kids make me nervous. Middle schoolers are supposed to make people nervous. I just know if I say, seriously, though, like you can tell them like, hey, go get my water. No, seriously, though, they'll do it. It's weird. It's this crazy concept. Um, if you've got a heart for that, Travis would love for you to help him. Man, if there was a time in your life where somebody poured into you, that was my story. Somebody poured into my life a lot during that time. And I said, you know what? I want to serve in that area. Get plugged in with our student ministry. G3 is our kids ministry that meets on Wednesday nights, third grade through fifth grade. They just got started back up. That's an amazing ministry. Allison started that just over a year ago. Um, This is year two starting up. And we've watched those kids connect and form relationships. And it's been such a good time of teaching for them. And as that's grown, Allison's kind of headed that up on her own. But if Wednesday night from 630 to 8, you got a heart for kids and you want to help, put that on app, get with Allison. And then if you flip it over to the back, man, she's greedy. Um, (laughs) I'm joking. Kids ministry is probably the biggest area of need in any church. Our kids' ministry is growing. It takes a lot on Sunday morning to make it happen. Um, We feel that on a family Sunday when it's like all the kids are in here. Um, If you have a heart for kids, Allison can find a place for you. Sometimes it's you go, man, I get really nervous about teaching in front of people. Okay, we've got shepherds, we've got areas and crafts. And sometimes you go, well, I'm not really good at teaching, but for a living, I like give information. Guess what? (laughs) We've got a place for you. You can teach. That's what this is. It's giving information. She helps prepare lessons. And so if you've got a heart for kids, there's some areas in our student ministry, our kids ministry, we definitely need people. Um, and I know people are serving in a lot of areas, but at South Point we say attend one, serve one. We've got two services. It's easy to get plugged in with that. And so those are some big ones. Those are our, our ministry opportunities that we serve in. But we also have outreach opportunities. And you see a number of those on the card as well. Our att- uh, attendance team. Uh, we've got people that kind of give us a count on Sunday mornings and go, why do you count people? Like, I'm not a numbers-driven person, um, but it is important at times. Is like, as we were doing one service and we started getting to a point where it's like, oh, we're getting a little close. Like, we needed to know when do we need to make the move to two services? When do we need to see if we need other people to go to one service or another? And so we have people that help in that attendance. Um, our campus awareness team, our CAT team. Sometimes people hear cat team and they think one thing, it's not about felines. Um, It's campus awareness team. That's our team. You'll see them kind of roaming around on Sunday mornings. They're checking doors. They're making sure kids' area is safe. They're checking our parking lot. The reality is it's a crazy world to live in right now. And I'm very thankful for our campus awareness team, the training that they do. Um, You probably don't know. Every now, like I can think of two different times, we have had an incident at our church. Now, it wasn't anything violent or anything that the news was going to come out or anything like that, but it was something that was an, we'd call it an incident. Most people never knew. They did such a good job of handling it, taking care of it, addressing it in a godly manner, but also knowing, hey, this person probably doesn't need to be here. Um, they do a great job with that. And so if you're interested in helping out in that area, we've got a uh, campus awareness team, our coffee team. Amen. Praise God. First year I was here, I said, our coffee budget's going up, and it did. Um, praise God, we've got a team that they make coffee every Sunday morning so that we can have that beautiful nectar of God um, in here. And so if you've got a heart for that, uh, we've got a uh, coffee team. Our, uh, the next two uh, are big today, our communion prep team and our communion distribution team. 
I'll say this, and I'm not trying to be prideful. South Point has the best communion bread I've ever had in my entire life. Um, and if you've never had it before, join us in communion in just a minute. Um, but someone has to help make that. And then someone has to help distribute that on Sunday mornings. And so we have those as outreaches. Um, our facilities team and our event setup team, uh, we do different things. We need people to come in and help set up stuff. And even after like our breakfast this morning, we have people to go in and break things down. We need more help in that. And so that, our facilities team, just helping keep our facilities up to speed. Our greeter team, that one's huge. First face people see when they walk in South Point Church. The first person to hand them a bulletin and say, welcome, we are so glad that you're here. If you like smiling and you like engaging people, that could be a team for you. If you have the bedside manner of a chainsaw, maybe not, um, but there'll be a different area. But our greeting team, that one is huge. Um, then our prayer team, just praying for the prayer needs of South Point Church. Starting point team, meeting people for the first time and telling them about our church. There's other areas that aren't even on here. We've got our pantry. We've got different outreaches and things like that. And then sometimes you go, I wish this was on there. If you see something's not on there, here's what I would say. I hope you care about it enough to engage and start it up. That you have such a holy discontent of why is this not happening that you will do something to make it happen. Serving's important to us. And this is one, if you're not plugged in somewhere, this is not a guilt thing. This is a... Hey, we see so many relationships formed through our serve teams. We see so many good stories. We see so many fun things happen. Get plugged in somewhere. Go on the Church Center app. Find a place that you're not serving and say, hey, I want to serve there. If it's too much on that, just put it on a connect card. We'll get in touch with you. But we want everyone to be able to have the opportunity to use the gifts that God has given you to glorify him. Jesus set the example the early church lived it, and we want to continue living it today. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, we, we thank you that you've called us to serve. We thank you for the people that we get the opportunity to serve with, God. Because I have, I've gained so many friends over the years from being able to do the things that you've called us to do. And God, so many lives have been changed. And God, sometimes through serving, someone hears the gospel for the first time. The true gospel that, man, you, you loved us and created us. But yes, God, we know that we are sinful people, that we do things that are wrong. And the reality is that separates us from you. And there's nothing we can do on our own to get back to you. But in your love and grace, you sent your son, Jesus Christ. He laid down his life and made it possible for us to have forgiveness. And if there's anyone that's here this morning or watching online, God, and they've never experienced what that's like to truly know you. But right now, it's just something to feel calling, God. I say, if that's you as best as you know how. And say, God, I want to come to you. I want to turn away from my old life. I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life and follow him. And in that instant, we're made into new creation. And God, then we're called to serve. And it's this beautiful, beautiful thing. God, thank you for the way people serve at this church. God, I pray that that will always be a hallmark and core value of who we are. And that we would do it not for ourselves, God, but to point people to you. We ask all of that in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to continue worshiping now in a couple different ways. One at a time of giving in prayer and then in communion as well. Um, you guys know that we have boxes next to each of the doors. Um, giving is something we say at South Point we want to do generously and cheerfully. 
Um, it's been, we have been blessed. We want to be a blessing to others, whether that be through ministries of our church or the number of ministries that we have way beyond the church. Um, we've got the boxes in the back. We also got online giving. We are southpoint.com. You can go to donate. We have a text giving service that is super, super easy. My wife's going to text me in just a minute because uh, she's watching right now and remind me to do that. Um, but it's already set up and it's super easy. And we say, hey, it does. It goes to a greater purpose. We've been blessed and we know it goes beyond these walls. It goes beyond these walls because typically we will pray for a local church during this time. That's important to us. But the first Sunday of each month, we pray for one of our missionaries. And this is where, when we give, this is where it goes. Um, and I'm very thankful this morning. We talk about our missionaries. Um, uh, Amy Sawyer's been doing a great job with that. And you're actually going to get to know them a little bit more. But this morning, we're going to be praying for the Krutov family and a ministry they work with in Russia called The Harbor. The Harbor is there for kids in the foster system in Russia that age out. And typically when they age out, about 90% of them go into a life of crime and really dark areas. Um, through the Harbor, they're able to learn life skills. They're able to know who Christ is. And their rate looks exactly the opposite. And so you're going to hear a video from them in just a second. But they had a couple of prayer requests from a personal standpoint and from the Harbor standpoint. Uh, from their personal standpoint, one, uh, for safe pregnancy and the arrival of their second son around November 21st. Amy's pregnant right now with their second kid. And so we're super excited about that for a safe trip back to the States um, in September. Um, that's a very pregnant woman flying. And so we're praying for that. Um, for our travel in the States in October as we raise funds for the Harbor. Um, and for our trip to Arizona to locate a house that we would like to buy to relocate to Arizona in the beginning of 2022. Uh, and for Amy's CPA classes, that is uh, continued credentials. That's from their personal side for Alex and Amy. And then for the Harbor as they kick off the 21-22 school year um, on September 1st and 10th, depending on the program, uh, for additional residents to come to that program. Uh, for lives to be transformed in the 21-22 year um, through many orphaned and through six outreaches and for God's protection against government attacks um, because of the area that they are in. And so we're going to lift them up this morning. Um, I'm going to pray for us. Then I want you to see this video and then we're going to come back and we'll talk about communion. But let me pray and then you're going to actually get to hear from Alex and Amy. God, we love you and we thank you for the way that you blessed us. God, I pray we would see the gospel as more and we would constantly reach out to see it do more in our own communities, God, and in the nations. God, I'm thankful for Alex and Amy, God, just their friendship and the excitement they have for ministry, the things that they're doing. God, we lift them up and I pray for Amy and their pregnancy right now and just as they get to have number two come into the world soon and as they're traveling and just transitioning and things like that, God, be with them. And God, for the harbor, for all of those students there. God, I can't imagine an orphan coming out of the orphan program and hearing the horror stories of what's coming next and then to be rescued by a thing like the harbor. God, to be able to grow and have life skill and to have hope and to hear the gospel. God, just pray for all of those students. Just pray safety and protection for them in the area that they are. We ask all of that in Christ's name. Amen.